Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I'm Adrian Mayfield, just in case you have no idea who I am. I usually give about 60 seconds of announcements just to give people an opportunity to realize that I am online. This is my website, just in case you're interested in any of the resources that I tell you about. And this is also my text number, so feel free to text me. It is me. It comes straight to my cell phone. You can text me at 770-746-8453, or you can go to my website at adrianmayfield.com. On my website, I have my books. I have a book called Connecting with the Burning Bush. I have a book called um, You're Too Full to Be Empty, which is a devotional for women. I have a book called Who's Following You, and there's one called I'm Tired of This Church, which kind of goes with the topic for tonight, what we're going to be getting into tonight. I also have courses there. So there are several courses of this triage series. That triage series is um, telling you about um, healing from church hurt, healing from divorce, healing from the orphan heart, healing from family dysfunction, and healing from grief. So all those are designed to help you deal with different traumas. And there's also uh, the option to sign up for trauma coaching with me which ties into the courses. So again, if you're interested in any of those resources, it's adrianmayfield.com. The website, website is going across up there. I also have a podcast, which is called Beauty for Ashes. And I did upload, finally, some new content. I would love to have some of you come on and share your stories with my um, people. So text me if you're interested. Let me know what you want to talk about and let's get that all set up. So if you're interested in being on my podcast, that's another reason to text me. That is the text number 770-746-8453. So jot it down or take a screenshot so you'll have it later. And that's my website, adrianmayfield.com. So that's about long enough for the announcements. I try to spend about 60 seconds on those. So I'm going to go ahead and remove both banners so that they're not distracting you or me. And let's jump into the content. So this is going to be a stinger, right? I've been gathering content for this topic for a couple of weeks, really wanting to talk about it. I would be mad sometimes when I was ready to talk about it. So I was like, let me know, let me not say anything today. And I would kind of wait till things kind of cool down. Then something else crazy would happen. And I'd be like, I don't want to talk about it today because I might say something crazy that'll turn into a soundbite. So I decided today though, enough is enough. I need to talk to you guys about it. Let's have a chat. So. I called it church mafia because we all know mafia is the people who it's like a group of a group of organized crime that put hits out on people and it's kind of like a group very similar to a gang. And so, of course, when we think about church, when we think about Christian, when we think about disciple of Jesus Christ, we should not be associating that at all with a gang or a mafia, right? But what we have in the modern church in some circles is very similar to that. Now, I remember um, several years ago, I was watching this preacher and he was preaching and he said that he had, I think he's out in California and he was talking about how some gang members were joining his church. And so when the gang members would join the church, you know, they would try to get involved and stuff like that. And so finally, a couple of the gang members told him they wanted to have a talk with him. And he was like, okay, sure. So they set up the time to talk and guess what they said? They said, pastor, um, we joined the church because we thought it was a family. We joined the church because we thought things would be different. At least in the gang, people had our back and they stood up for us and they wanted to be with us and we were like a family. The church isn't like that. The gang is more like a family than the church. That's horrible, guys. But 
I'm experiencing and seeing that a lot hearing stories and also experiencing some of that myself. So I want to tell you a little bit about my church background, just so you know kind of where I come from. I'm from a small town in Northeast Georgia. I was raised in a Baptist church. I always went to church. I always went to that same church. It was a family church. My mom's family went there. My dad's family went there. Our whole family went there, very small town. And so I was raised in that church. And, you know, in the Baptist church, you vote on pastors, which I don't really agree with, but that's the process for the Baptist church. So we voted on pastors. So there was always a lot of politics around that process. You know, the pastor would come, he preached for a little while, lobby. Some people like him, some people don't. Then you had this big church meeting, people come, and they would always be contentious, all this argument and back and forth. I remember that even as a little kid. And so eventually, you know, we went through several pastors, some stayed longer than others. But we eventually, after I became like an adult, we had a pastor that had, like, it's like half the church liked him, half the church didn't. So it created this faction and it created these factions in the church, right? And so then we were supposed to have a vote on that pastor, but then the deacons decided that they were going to cancel the vote or something. And I may not remember this exactly because it's been over 20 years ago, but this is the gist of it. So my parents were leadership in the church. My mom was the church secretary, church administrator, and my dad was a deacon. And so, you know, the, the administration, the church, whatever, my family kind of on one side, and then there's all these other people. So because it was this arguing back and forth, and we're supposed to be bringing it to a vote to decide if we're going to have this guy as our pastor, the deacons got together and decided that they would cancel Bible study that week. So they canceled Bible study that week, and they told everybody, just, you know, go home, which, you know, now when we have virtual church, you don't think that's a big deal. But they told everybody, you go home and um, just have church Bible study with your families because we're going to try to sort these things out and we want to try to do this peaceably, but we can't have the church be split apart over half one, him half no, let's say the vote with a fair and all this stuff. So they, um, we, they canceled Bible study for that church that Tuesday. Everybody was supposed to study at home. Guys, my dad, mom and dad got a phone call from the police. Someone had broken to the church. So they broke into the church. We still don't know who exactly, but they broke into the church and had Bible study. So this other faction broke into the church or had somebody break in the church or whatever you want to say, and they had Bible study in church. So that turned into this big thing. They're talking to lawyers. I wasn't a lawyer at the time. They're going back and forth doing all this drama. And so one day I remember being at church and my father was outside the church and this, um, this man who, you know, was on the other side, I remember him and my dad going back and forth. So I'm in the parking lot and my sister is like, you know, trying to get him. I think I'm not sure if my brother was there or not, but I know for sure my sister was there and she was trying to grab my dad. Now, all this is Christian people in the church. Right. And so they're going back and forth. And I remember my dad saying something like, um, I'll mop you up. I'll, I'll mop you up with this floor. So I'll mop you up on the floor or something to this guy. And the guy said, you better not mess with me, old man. And I remember thinking, you are the deacon, dad. Like, what are you doing? And this guy, like, don't antagonize him because he is old. But, I mean, he's everybody it was just so much emotion, so much, you know, so much tension. And so they ended up, you know, not fighting, thank God. <laughs> we got my dad to come to the car. and But it just ended up being a whole thing. And my, my family left the church. And so they, we left the church. My mom and dad were at home. My mom started doing home Bible studies. And people started coming there, not just from that church, but from other places. 
And it was kind of pretty much like that until they passed away. My mom ended up joining another church in the next city over, but my dad never joined that church. And for a long time, because of all the drama and everything that had happened, the church that my parents had both been, been going to from birth up until their 60s, they left. And it really, really had an adverse effect on my dad that even when my mom started going to this new church, my dad really didn't go. And even when he did go, he would sit in the balcony. And so those, that was my earliest experience with church. And then when I started teaching, I moved to another church. And I remember being on the praise team at that church, right? And so I was on the praise team. And, you know, you come up, it's only like four or five of us singing. And I remember a couple of people saying, you know, you have a beautiful voice and all this stuff. You know, I was like, okay, thank you. I didn't get into that. And so one Sunday, I was going up to get me ready. We had rehearsed or whatever that Saturday. I was going up, getting ready to get my mic. Church was getting ready to start. And I remember the associate pastor coming over to me and saying, um, Adrian, you can sing this Sunday, but someone else is going to use your mic. We don't have enough mics for you. Well, I mean, it's not a big deal to sing without a mic, but there's only five of us. There's five mics. So I'm thinking like, well, who's, who's the new person? Like, who's going to have the mic that I normally use? But I just said, you know, okay, fine. And I sang. And then after that, I didn't sing anymore. And so these are the kind of experiences that I've had in church. And so then, of course, you know, I ended up marrying a pastor. And we were pastoring the church together. It was his church. He and, he, he and his wife had started, but she passed away. He was a widower. And so, you know, trying to go through that whole church dynamic of being pastors and dealing with the stuff that you have to deal with as pastors, with the people and all of this administration and money and spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers and all that. And so I was supposed to be ordained um, the month before I left him. And so I actually was never ordained as a pastor, even though I was supposed to be because I ended up leaving him. I just couldn't stay anymore. And so I laugh at that a lot of times now. I'll share some of that with some of my stories because sometimes when I go to churches or I visit churches, people will treat me like, like I'm like I don't even like I'm not even saved really sometimes. And they'll, you know, really treat me, be kind of standoffish and all of this. And so sometimes you can think about these kinds of things and feel, I don't know, I have to pray because you could be like, feel animosity or resentment or bitterness because I used to be a pastor's wife. So when we went to events, we would go to events and, you know, we would be in the green room. We would be back there with all the pastors, all this doc, how many members you got and all that stuff they do. And so... To go from that to now having people sometimes treat me like I'm not even saved can be interesting, but I just laugh because at the end of it, if you know me at all, you know I'm not a person that gets into all of the titles and all of that stuff. I know who I am and God, I know I have a relationship with him. I love God, he loves me, so I don't get into all of it, but it still kind of stings. It used to sting in the beginning. So anyway, we were pastors. We ended up getting divorced, so all of the people... But I, of course, had to leave the church because it was his church. And so I lost my entire church family, my husband, my stepchildren, all of that kind of in one, in one fell swoop. And so that was tough. And so for a while, I didn't go to church. I was trying to heal, get some counseling from the marriage and losing my parents. I ended up losing my parents. Both of them passed away. I skipped that part, but you probably heard that part before. And so I started going to this new church. So this was an apostolic prophetic church. I really, my ex-husband was a prophet, but I never really, outside of him, because I was raised Baptist, had an experience with this whole um, prophetic apostolic thing. So I started going to this new church that was actually the first time outside of with him that I had a prophetic word. 
So I started going to this church. I know I'm extremely prophetic. No, I'm called to the fivefold. Was almost a pastor, right? And so they have these tryouts for prophetic teams. So they asked me, you know, do you want to try for the prophetic team? So I go and I <laughs> try out for the prophetic team. That sounds, that's kind of interesting in itself. So anyway, we have these tryouts for the prophetic team and everybody has to prophesy to each other. And that's how they're going to decide if we make the team. So people are prophesying. Some people are stronger prophesying than others. You know, it's my come my turn turn my turn comes to prophesy. I prophesy to the people, and then they give us an assessment. This is how you prophesy. I mean, it, it sounds really strange. It's really it is really bizarre. I'm not sure about this trying out the prophetic thing system they have set up. But hey, that's the that's their setup. So it is what it is. Anyway, so I tried for the prophetic team. They tell me, you know, it was really strong. You know, you prophesy. You can tell you've been through a lot of things. You prophesy from a place of strength. I don't know why my phone's going off right now, but let's just ignore it. And so, um, so I prop I did my prophecy, and then let's let me make sure that there's no issue. Let's see. Okay. So there. Um, so I go to the pro- I do my prophecy. They say I do a good job. So I'm like, okay, I know I made the team. Like, okay. So then the the list comes out, and I didn't make the team, guys. Me, I didn't even make the team. So they had come up with this new section of people called in, the intercessors, which of course you know an intercessor is someone who prays or petitions on behalf of men to God. And so they told me I didn't make the team, but I could be an intercessor. So I'm like, this is something y'all made up. Like y'all don't even have intercessors for the prophetic team. Like what? But there were so many people who hadn't gone through the, the necessary prerequisites to become to be on the prophetic team. So they tried to come up with another thing. So those people wouldn't feel bad, I guess, but I admit all the prerequisites. So I'm like, well, why? I prophesied strong. You said I prophesied strong. How did I not make the prophetic team? Like what, what in the world? So anyway, so they told me, so the first week that we were supposed to prophesy to people, we go to church. So we're going to prophesy. And of course they told me ahead of time, I couldn't prophesy. <laughs> I mean, imagine the shine. Like we, Church people, we, we do some stuff. And when people talk about church people and I'm tired of this church, like the little boy said and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm telling you some stories. This stuff really happened. Like my dad about to fight somebody outside the church about me not making a prophetic team and being told you can interview me in a sense. So anyway, it was our week to, to prophesy. So before, the, before the, the time, I'm the only one who's there who's not prophesying. All the rest of the team was going to prophesy. So I'm like, oh, okay. So the lady says, well, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, they say you're an intercessor, so you're not, you're not allowed to prophesy. But, you know, when we prophesy to the, when we prophesy to the people, if you get a word, then you can come over and whisper it in my ear, and then I'll let you know if you can release it or not. Now, I'm all for order. I'm all for submitting to authority. I'm, I'm, I'm all for this stuff. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, I got to come and whisper the prophetic word to you and tell you, and you don't tell me if I can say it. Well, that's going to be embarrassing, right? So if I come and whisper to you and say, I got, I have a word, God is saying this, and then you like, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, you, you can't deliver that word. Like, first of all, it's confusion for the people that are receiving the word. Third of all, 50th of all, like, lady, really? And now, I know I can prophesy. I know I have a relationship with God and every believer according to scripture, should be able to prophesy. So, and that, that's different from the pro- office of the prophet. Now, let's be clear. 
but every believer should be able to prophesy, which is to give a word of exhortation and comfort, right? Um, edification, exhortation, or comfort. But anyway, back to the story. So, so they're prophesying, right? The team, you know, sometimes, I don't know, some of you may not be familiar with uh, apostolic prophetic church. You might go to a more traditional church like I was raised in. But anyway, when people are getting ready to prophesy, sometimes they just ain't like, you know, some people are super animated, like, oh, I'm just bubbling over, like I'm bubbling over, like I'm just bubbling. So that's how my team was. Every time it was like, be, it would be about their time to prophesy, they would act like they just had this word that was just bubbling up. Well, who am I who've already been told that I'm, I'm an intercessor and not to prophesy to, to intervene and try to insert my word in front of theirs? So I just sat there and prayed. I prayed the whole time. I didn't say a word. I didn't go whisper a word. Several people came up. I had a word for them, but I didn't dare say anything. I just kept praying. So after it was over, do you know what the lady said to me? <laughs> she said, well, Adrian, you never prophesied. I mean, the whole time. You didn't even, I mean, I didn't want you to just sit there and pray. I mean, you didn't even, you never came. Lady, now, you know, you told me ahead of time, I couldn't prophesy unless I whispered to you. And every time it was someone's turn to prophesy, they were ready to prophesy. So I'm not going to cause confusion to the people that are receiving prophecy. Being trying to go back and forth. With, oh, I got a word. No, we're not doing that. So anyway, needless to say, after that, I was like, this is about to be a whole debacle. I'm not called to do this. I did pray about it and I sought wise counsel though because I was like, well, is God training me? Is he teaching me about submission? Is he teaching me to humble myself? Is he teaching me about authority and order? I mean, like, what is this about? But after um, like kind of counseling with a couple of people, I was confident that this was just another attempt by the enemy to try to silence me. I'd gone through that whole period with my ex-husband and everybody kind of took his side over mine. And I was kind of felt silenced. Like maybe I just should walk away, just throw this whole thing away. Not throw God away, to be honest. But I was like, this whole church thing, these church people, y'all can miss me with that. So I was like, well, maybe God's just teaching me to love people again and, and submit and be under authority. But then after I got counsel, it's like, no, that's not it. So I ended up writing a letter to the head of the prophetic team and also my team leader and basically saying, you know, I don't feel like this is the fit for me. I, I don't want to be on a pro prophetic team as an intercessor. If I didn't make the prophetic team, then I just didn't make it. So let's just, you know, part ways. <laughs> so she called me, right, and gave me this very strong word of prophecy about my gifts of prophecy and teaching and all this different stuff, but I didn't make the team. So anyway, that was that. So I ended up moving to this other church. I love this church, right? I felt like for the first time in my life, I felt like this church is the fit for me, the perfect church, because it was an apostolic church, prophetic church, strong in deliverance, strong in worship. I love this church. So I went there, actually had to travel to another state to go to the church, love going to that church. Then they planted a um, campus here in Atlanta. So I would go there and still go to Chicago sometimes. And then I would go back and forth. Well, I said where, where it is, but anyway. So I joined that church, but I still wasn't involved, right? I kind of just sat in the pew went along, really enjoyed the worship, really enjoyed all this stuff. And so I'm going along, things are going well. I'm not involved, not doing anything, but I'm loving going to the church because it's like my, it's my zone. Heavy deliverance, prophecy, worship, I mean, the whole thing. And I'm learning more about this stuff because again, I was raised in Baptist church. So I, um, the Lord, one Sunday, maybe like in, tw I think it was 2019, you know, 2019, I was in church and I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit clear as day. 
say, I want you to have an event. And I'm like, now, you know, I don't have no church. Have an event. What? You know, that's how I talk. How <laughs> me and God talk the same way I'm talking to you. And so he was like, yes, I want you to have an event. And I mean, he's laying the whole thing out in church. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to have this going to be a, a very diverse event. I'm going to have you invite people from different churches. I'm going to invite, you're going to invite different races. You're going to invite different ages. And this is how it's going to be set up. So I started trying to work on it, doing flyers, went to the mall, doing all this stuff. Cause I don't have, you know, I don't have a church. I'm not really doing anything at my church. And so, but I wanted the pastor to know because I asked a couple of people, the Holy Spirit gave me a couple of people's names from the church. So I said, well, I better let the pastor know because I'm going to get it. I'm going to get to really deep into the topic, but I know how people get. Like if I ask somebody to pray, then that's like I'm trying to start a church and I'm trying to steal the steal your intercessors and all of this foolishness. So I was like, let me make sure I tell the pastor. So one day after Sunday, after church, I went up to him and I said, you know, God has given me this, this vision to do this event. And I've asked a couple of people from the church to do it. I just want everything to be above board. I'm not starting a church or anything that I know of right now, but I don't want it to seem like I'm doing this underneath you. So he was like, no, I mean, I want people to grow. That's what you're here for is to grow and go out into your assignment. You have my blessings hundred percent. Okay, cool. So I have this event. The event is very powerful. I actually invited, went to a women's shelter and I spoke with the director of that women's shelter because I really wanted to be more focused on unchurched people because I told you by this time, I was like, just let me deal with the unsaved people and teach them about Jesus. And I used to say, and I think I heard it somewhere, it's easier to get a sinner saved than it is to get a Christian delivered. Because sometimes when people go to church or they know a little Bible or scripture, you can't tell them that they're wrong. You can't tell them that they're off. You can't tell them that their tradition is not biblical or any of that stuff. It's just so hard. But when you get a brand new person who knows nothing, who's unchurched, sometimes it's a lot easier to disciple them and to tell them, share the gospel with them and get them to accept it and to begin to walk with Jesus. So anyway, I went to this women's shelter. The woman, the, the director said, sure, we'll send women. I'll actually send two vans. So she sent two vans of women from this women's shelter, women who had been abused, who'd gone through domestic violence, you know, different trafficking, different things like that. And so they were the core group of people. There were other people who came, but they were the core group of people who came to the service. And so it was really powerful because that's what I wanted. I wanted a powerful service where God came, where he spoke, where God, where we encountered God, and that was the name of the encounter, but also a place where people would give their lives to Jesus and be able to begin walking with him. So I had this event. And so after the event, you know, things went well. I actually had some people who um, were prophets and some who prophesied and they prophesied to the first 30 people. So that was powerful. Some people passed out. I mean, not that that's a measure or something. It's powerful. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> but some people did, you know, fall out or whatever. People got prophecy and everybody was like, this was really, really powerful. And so I called it the encounter. So the next Sunday, guys, um, the, lead, the head pastor who's like over all these churches, he's supposed to come and preach. Well, when he comes to Atlanta to preach, it's like a big deal. Everybody's like, we got to be there. And it already was a line waiting outside church, which I had never experienced before, like hour before church people in line. So anyway, it takes me an hour to get from my house to that church. So I drive to the church that Sunday afterwards. And when I pull in the parking lot, it's a line, like literally, literally a line, like you're going to a basketball game or something. And so as I pull up, the guy who's doing the parking, he comes over to the car and he's like, 
I'm sorry, you need to turn, you have to turn around. I said, huh? He said, you can't come in. I said, to church? <laughs> you know, like what? And he was like, no, you can't come in. We don't have any more room, no more seats. And I looked at him like, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel about church, but I love going to church. I love being with God's people. I love worship. And I just, I just love the communal aspect of fellowship. So I was devastated. I was like, what? I can't go. I said, well, you don't have any more seats? Like just one seat for me? Like it's just me? And he was like, no. He said, look at the door. People are already waiting. The church is full. And people are still waiting outside to see if maybe some people leave or whatever from first service. And so I'm like, well, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, like I done left all to follow him. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, where I'm going to go? Like, what? So he said, I don't know. I mean, maybe you can go watch online. Guys, that hit me really hard. Because at that time, this is pre-2020. No, people not watching online like that. Like I wasn't. I was always in church. And so I'm like, go watch online. What? My face was all alone. Like, I was just devastated. He's like, yeah, turn around, you know, like, and hurry up with it because it's a lot of cars behind me. So I turned around and I went, like any good Christian, I left and I went to the mall. <laughs> I was like, I, like, I couldn't believe it. So I turned around, I went to the mall, I you know, went to the mall or whatever. And guys, for the next, I would say, probably like the next six months, I didn't go to anyone's church. This is like the end of 2019. I didn't go to church at all. Sundays came, Sundays go, I didn't go to church. And I was just like in this space, my space, like, okay, God, all of this craziness around church, I know this is not your design. And so in 2020, you know, this is right before everything hit with 2020 with COVID and all of that. But at the beginning of 2020, the head pastor and the pastor here in Atlanta had a split. It was this whole public social split you know, they, they one person making this video, this other person making this video, then they making a response video. I mean, it was devastating. It was devastating for me because of the previous trauma with me and churches. But I also watched people that I knew. I went to church there so I could feel the, the spiritual pulse. And I knew that a lot of the people in there, like this was their last hope. Like they were, if this didn't work, they were going to stop going to church. And I knew that there were a lot of people there. Like I can feel these things and discern them by the spirit. There were a lot of people there who were kind of on a slippery slope between being saved and not being saved. So my heart, I was like Jesus when it says that he looked out on the people and had compassion. Because I looked out and I'm like, these, some of these people are not going to survive this. They can't do virtual. They can't do at home. They can't do the devastation of another church break or another church hurt. Like this is too much. They're not going to be able to deal with it. And sure enough, you know, they had this big split, this back and forth on social media. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I just can't do this, Lord. Like, what in the world am I going to do? And so since then, I've been trying to find another place to plant. You know, 2020 happened. And I was actually in Chicago at a deliverance conference that I had, like, joined this deliverance group with people to kind of get trained and strengthened in delivering, casting demons out of people. And so we had a conference. And actually, when I got on my plane to head back home from Chicago, the announcement was made that they were shutting all the restaurants down, all the bars down, everything going into quarantine. And that was, you know, quarantine, pandemic 2020. And so, you know, everything was shut down for a while. Nobody could go anywhere. And so I just saw and observed all these really, really tragic things that were going on in church. 
in my church life. And so I've been looking for a place, a new place to call home, a new place to fellowship. And people always say, well, Adrian, you're a builder. You know you're a builder. You know how you have this apostolic build. You have this apostolic anointing. You need to build. You need to bring God's people together and build something. But this is the thing. I have never, I'm a kingdom-minded person. So I've never been a person to feel like I got to have my own thing. I can come and bring my gift set, bring my wheelhouse, bring my anointing and help support your vision or back your vision or help bring my gifts. I don't understand why we're at a point now in the body of Christ where everybody feels like they got to start their own ministry. But they got two people, but they got a whole church. Right. And they want to be caught and they want to say they're in full time ministry, which means now you're a burden to those two people because you want them to support you and your wife and your 10 kids. And it's only two of y'all. So I don't understand why those people can't take their pastoral anointing or whatever anointing they have and bring it and walk alongside someone else. Guys, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And I don't get this competition that we have, again, because people have made ministry full time where you got people selling deliverance for $300. Well, you got to send me this $300 before you can get deliverance. Or it's $400 for this class, $500 for this class. Now, I have courses on my website, as I just told you. But those courses are where I'm trying to kind of walking you through some issues of trauma. It's not me saying, well, if you want me to pray for you, can you send me $25 to my cash app? Or I know you got that demon that's been tormenting you and your bloodline, but, oh, that's going to be about, can you send me $75 to my cash app? Like, I absolutely hate it. The Bible says freely, freely you have been given and freely you have received, freely given, so you give it back. I'm not saying it the way it says it, but, you know, it's basically saying what you received from God came to you freely. You didn't pay for it. So when you give it back out, you give it freely. And so I just don't understand that part. I don't understand the competition. I don't understand the, uh, the titles and the obsession with platforms and all of this stuff. It is literally the reason why people are leaving the church in numbers, why people won't come to church. We can blame it and say, oh, this, that, this, that. But a lot of it is because there's a lot of mess that's going on in church. And so we got to get it right. We got to straighten it out because we're not a game. The church is supposed to be a family, a body of believers where we're supposed to love each other. And I have, I mean, I'm not trying to be arrogant or prideful or any of that, but God has given me a lot of skills that the body can use. And I know that I'm called to use those skills, not only as a lawyer, an attorney and teacher and all those things outside of church, but I know I'm called to do that in the church. And so I just feel grieved sometimes that I would have to begin and start my own work. Not that I'm afraid to do that or I think people won't follow me or any of that kind of stuff. But I see other ministries, other places I go that I could be a blessing there. But then there's this gang-like, cult-like, I don't know, it's like, who you with? <laughs> like I said, it's like, when you're not with us, we don't know you, where you come from. And then getting, and I did another live, I think you remember, I did the live about gatekeepers, where I was talking about getting in getting um getting close to people and sometimes they've been places so i went to oh i went to another church i forgot about that when i first moved to atlanta i went to this church and the pastor and i were very good friends he was very respected he's actually one of the first people after my divorce that gave me a son that said i want you to preach at church on sunday and when a pastor gives up his not his but when a pastor says come preach on sunday that's kind of a big deal because pastors usually don't give that sunday up he said i want you to come preach and so i preached there and 
you know, we were very close. We had a good relationship, uh, you know, mutual respect. I had a good relationship with his wife. And then I was supposed to be going on a mission trip with them. That was in 2017. And then we were planning for the mission trip. Every week we were supposed to come together and pray. I forgot to tell this story. It's another church story. Let me insert this. And so we are supposed to pray every week because we're going to Africa, right? And if you understand spiritual things, you understand that, you know, in Africa, it's, you know, it's, it's next level as far as some of the witchcraft and the understanding of spiritual things that sometimes we don't have here in the West. So you most certainly don't want to go to Africa. You don't want to go anywhere, but you don't want to go to Africa trying to do missions without a heavy, heavy, heavy intercessory plan, period. So we're supposed to come together every week to pray. When we would come together for our meetings to pray, we weren't really praying. We more were talking about sleeping, different kinds of sleeping bags, what kind of materials you need, and just talking about the trip and looking at pictures from previous trips and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, when are we going to pray? We need to pray. We need to be seeking the Holy Spirit. We need to be getting wisdom. We're going to a place that's a largely Muslim area. And so, you know, we're going to try to take Christ into an area that's largely Muslim. We probably need to have a strategy for that. <laughs> and the strategy probably needs to come from God. So we probably need to pray, right? So this is what I'm thinking. And so I'm asking them every week. We talk about all of this stuff, what kind of toys we're going to get for the kids and all of this stuff. You know, and I get the excitement. I mean, I love the kids too, but I'm not going to Africa with a team of people to introduce people to Jesus and we don't have a strong prayer intercessory plan, period. So anyway, that ended up being this whole debacle with the pastor's wife and her thinking that I was saying that they weren't spiritual. And I mean, this whole, I mean, this whole big thing. And so I ended up not going on that trip. And thankfully, God opened the door like the week late, a week later for me to go to Africa and Israel in the same trip. So I did 10 days mission work in Africa and then five days kind of vacationing in Jerusalem, Israel. That was my two dream trips anyway. So I felt like God was kind of shifting me. And I, I feel like that was the trip I was supposed to be on anyway. But still, I tried to like apologize to the pastor's wife. You know, she's the pastor's wife, so you can't, like, have a beef with her and be going to the church. Like, that doesn't work. So I tried to apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry if there was some misunderstanding. I was never trying to say that the group or team wasn't wasn't spiritual. I was just saying, like, I feel like we need to put more prayer emphasis on this trip. I mean, I'm not the leader of the trip, but I am going, and I do want to go there and live and come back alive. Like, I don't want, you know, witchcraft. All this stuff is real. And not that I'm afraid of it, but you don't play with it either. You need to have a strategy from God when you're going into enemy territory. So that happened. But anyway, so those are kind of like my church stories. You know, some of them, I'm not sharing all of them. I'm just sharing some. But my main thing to come on tonight was just to say this has to stop. And I knew I needed to share it because the other day I got a, I get a newsletter from Derek Prince, which, you know, he's passed away. Well, you may not know, but he was a very prolific teacher. Sometimes I feel like how in the world was he born back then? Because a lot of things that he preached about we're dealing with right now. But I got a, I get a newsletter from his ministry. So I got this newsletter and it was called Return to Unity. And I said, OK, God, I hear you. You want me to talk about this? You want me to say something? You probably want me to do something, too, I bet. Like, you're not just going to let me sit over here and know all this stuff and not do anything with it. And so I was reading this, and it started off by him saying that sometimes he would refer to the church as his church. 
And he said that one day God said, whose church is it again? And you know, you'll hear people say my members and my people and my group and this kind of stuff. And he said, you know, I, I hope it's your church, but I'm not too sure. And that's how he started off the letter in, in saying that we have the church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to any apostle, any prophet, any evangelist, any teacher, any pastor. It belongs to Jesus. And so we have to remember that if you have a kingdom mindset, that's that's what's necessary in order for us to evangelize, to spread the gospel and to get people to believe what we're even saying about God. And so these are just some things that I've really noticed, some things I want to talk about. I'm probably going to have to do a part two because I don't want this to be like super long. And I've <laughs> spent most of it telling y'all my church stories. But I did want to share a couple of scriptures and then I'll do a part two. So the first scripture, because we want to talk about church. And like I said, he, he pointed out that this that this the church belongs to Jesus. And another very interesting thing that he pointed out into this newsletter is that when Paul was writing the letters to the churches, he wasn't writing the letter to the church in Bookhead, the letter to the church to Lithonia, the letter to the church in Chicago, the a letter to the church. He was writing the letters to the church in like one, like the city. Like, so this church is not written to every different church. It's like the unification, the coming together, the vision and purpose is personified in this one church. And so he basically asked the question is, if, if he was writing it to your city, would your church be the church that he would be writing it to? Because he didn't address his New Testament letters to each of the different churches. He only, he would, there would be one designation, one church in the city. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And so let's look at a couple of scriptures and then I'll let you guys go for tonight because I know it's getting late and I'll do a part two of this. But this is something that really, really is near and dear to my heart because I love Jesus, but I love Jesus' people. I hate the devil. I hate seeing the devil torment people. I hate seeing the devil ravage people. And I hate people not realizing and understanding the abundant life that Jesus died. Christianity is not boring. Loving Jesus is not boring. Having a relationship with God is not, there's no negative to having a relationship with God. But because a lot of times people aren't properly discipled, even when they accept Jesus, there's no one to disciple them and show them how to live and teach them about scripture and teach them how to study the word and learn the word and pray and all of those things. Sometimes people start to have a sour taste in their mouth for church. And sometimes they meet church people and those church people make them not love God. And that's kind of what happened when I wrote my second book, I'm Tired of This Church, is that I was getting ready to wake up one morning and I heard God say, um... I want you to write this book about what the little boy was saying. And I'm like, what little boy? He's <laughs> like, I'm tired of this church because what's happening is people are meeting people before they meet me. And sometimes because they meet people and those people aren't in the right relationship with me, they aren't reflecting my character and my nature. I don't even get a chance to get to know them because they turn away from me because of my people. And so I want you to begin to teach people and grow people and educate people about having a relationship with me so that they can heal their wounds, they can heal their traumas, they can have, let me really love them and get in those deep, deep, deep places in their heart so that when they encounter people, those people see me. When, they, when I talk to you, you should experience God. When I speak to you, you should experience God. If you spend time with me, I should leave you better than you were before you met me or sat with me or had coffee with me or anything because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so that deposit of the Holy Spirit, 
you should encounter that when you encounter me. But a lot of times that's not what people get, right? <laughs> so, you know, God told me to write that book and I was obedient. I wrote it. But we got to make a shift. We got to make a turn because there's lots and lots of people who still don't know the gospel. There are a lot of people who've turned away to other false religions. There are a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And so it's our responsibility to take to teach them and train them first by loving each other. So let's just look at a couple of scriptures. Like I said, then I'll let you go. And I'll do a part two of this because I have like several scriptures. But I'll just do a couple and then we'll end for tonight and I'll do a part two. So the first one is Matthew 12. 20 through 30, Matthew 12, 20 through 30. It says, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. Insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is this not the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. So here Jesus had cast out a devil. And so they were saying, oh, he's casting out by devil. He's casting out by Beelzebub. He's working for the devil. And basically Jesus was saying to them, if you have a kingdom and it's divided, it can't stand. If there's infighting, if there's backbiting, if people cutting each other down, that kingdom cannot stand. And that's one of the issues that we have in the body of Christ. People don't have a kingdom mindset. They have a very individualized me, me, myself, and I mindset. Because if, it, if that weren't the case, if I have a YouTube channel, let's say, and I ask you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, hey, I'm talking about, you know, women overcoming trauma. Then if someone else in the church or in the organization or group also has a YouTube channel, people wouldn't feel afraid to mention they have a YouTube channel when their YouTube channel just advances the kingdom. But that's what we have. People, you sometimes will be a part of a church and you might have, be doing something great for God outside of church. But you're afraid to tell the people at the church because it's almost like a gang. It's almost like the mafia. If I tell people that I have a YouTube page, if I have tell people that I have books, if I have tell people that I'm coaching, then the pastor is going to think I'm trying to steal his people. Then the people, the women are going to think that I'm trying to start a women's group on my own. And so because of this type of foolishness, People are doing all this great, they're doing great work, but they're having to go outside their churches to do it. I have a good friend of mine who is a prophet, right? But her church, she goes to a traditional African-American church and the church didn't really have a place for prophets. And so she started her own ministry out on her own as a prophet. Well, you know, really the foundation of the church is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. That's what, um, that's what the Bible says. I know there's some cessationists and people like that who believe the gifts didn't end it and they don't believe in that the apostle prophet still exists and all. Okay, that's fine. But I do. And so I believe that's the foundation of the church. So why should she be a prophet but have to go outside of her church to function as a prophet? It's off, guys. It's off. That's why you have to have apostles inside the church because the apostle helps to point out and establish and put in order, bring order and organization and government 
to what goes on there to say this person fits here, this person fits here, this person fits here, this person fits here. The pastor is more the nurturing, shepherding, sometimes teaching part, but he doesn't necessarily always have the foresight to know what God is saying future, what God is saying about placement, because he's busy caring and nurturing the sheep. So when you don't have, so when people have to go outside to use their gifts, that was never God's design. And it's one of those things that really, really irks me. Why people have to start their ministry outside the church. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a ministry outside the church. I'm not saying that you can't go and start a woman's home or a woman's shelter or feed the homeless or go and minister to people outside the church. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is you shouldn't have to go outside the church in order to be able to use your gift. So outside the church, I'm this powerful minister. Outside the church, I'm casting out devils. Outside the church, I have a strong tent revival. Thousands of people come. But when I go to church, to my church every Sunday where I attend, I just sit there every Sunday. No one uses my gifts. No one's asked me to speak. No one asked me to pray. I'm, I'm not allowed to utilize my gifts in any way. But I have this huge flourishing ministry outside of church that's actually bigger and more powerful than the church I'm attending. Why in the world is this happening, guys? It should not be happening. Everybody doesn't have to have their own ministry. Everybody, we are all one kingdom. There's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of Satan. Whatever you're doing is advancing one or the other. And if what you're doing is advancing the kingdom, I'm all for it. You could be doing the exact same thing. I, I wrote Connecting with the Burning Bush. You might write a book called Connecting with the Burning Bush. It doesn't matter. If women are reading it or whoever, your target artist is reading it and they're getting saved and they learn about Jesus, I will promote your book. You don't see that happen a lot because people are so afraid. Well, I've heard pastors say, it will, if, if I don't want to bring this person to my church because then my people might, might lead me and follow them. Well, they're not your people. And if, if that person, if they're called to that person in this season of their life, instead of you, so be it. It's one kingdom. Everything that advances the kingdom of God, I'm for it. Now, you do have to be careful, of course. You do have to use discernment because some people are false teachers. Some people are false prophets. Some people are carnal. Some people not really serious about their relationship with God. So you do have to be careful about those things and be discerning. But some of this competition and competitiveness and platforms and you can't do this over here and don't tell them that you're doing that. And I don't want people to know that I have a YouTube channel. And I mean, I know that like when I left that church, the last church I was talking about after they had the big church split and I didn't I just didn't affiliate myself with either side because it was just was too much. It was traumatic. I've been through too much, too many church splits. I was just like, I just don't need to affiliate myself with either one because it was like a kind of like a gang, like a beef, right? Are you with them or you with us? You gonna stay with them or you gonna go? I just didn't want to be a part of that. <laughs> like I'm a part of the body of Christ. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love all y'all. So I don't wanna, I just don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be a part of the division, the chaos, the separating, the gang like, turf like, cult like stuff. I'm just not with it. So let's look at another scripture Luke 9, 49 through 50. This is kind of goes to what I'm talking about. It says, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade them because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him for he who is not against us is on our side. So what was Jesus teaching the disciples here? That 
if they're casting out demons in my name, then they're help, they're advancing the gospel. They're advancing the kingdom. Don't stop them. And so uh, something similar now would be like, you know, maybe someone in the church has a YouTube channel and they're teaching women or uh, somebody has a, you know, a, a group or organization for homeless men and he's outside the church. He's not doing it in the church. And then people from the church are afraid to go and help him pass out socks to the people because they don't want the pastor to find out that they helping this member with his um, men, homeless men's project that he's doing because then the pastor might be mad and think they're going to leave and go with him instead of, guys, really? really? <laughs> like, really? This is, this is the ridiculousness of it. And then the, the factions of, well, were you baptized in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name? Do women wear earrings or lipstick or not wear lipstick? wear earrings or lipstick can women preach in your church or should they be silent like all of this back and forth all of this chaos until we can come together under one unified voice one unified sound we're not doing anything and we definitely cannot attract and seize the great harvest that jesus has prepared for us to bring back to him as our king we're supposed to be presenting souls to him and saying i told i told them about you i told them who you were they want to meet you that's what it's supposed to be. When you meet people, you're supposed, they're supposed to see your life, be so drawn to your life like a magnet, and then you're supposed, they're supposed to say, what's different about you? Well, I met this man named Jesus. You want to meet him? And then you come and present them to Jesus and say, Jesus, they want to meet you. They want to get to know you. And then you partner with the Holy Spirit to help them get to know uh, Jesus. And so that's what Jesus was saying to them. Don't turn them away. Don't rebuke them. Because they're doing this in my name. They're casting out demons. We want, de we want demons to be cast out of people, right? We want people to be free. So even though they're not with us, even though they're not hanging with us or rolling with us or going over here to our place and they're not, all, they're not with us, it doesn't matter. The, the cause of the kingdom, Jesus is being glorified. My name is being glorified. People are getting ca demons cast out of him. That's the goal. So it doesn't matter if you do it or someone else does it. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is being advanced, and that's what we're supposed to be about. So the last story I'm going to tell you, and then I'll do a part two, because I do have several other things I want to cover, probably another 30 minutes or so. I didn't know it was going to be this long, but, you know, I get with my story. So I go to CVS, not that far from my house, and then so I noticed this lady, she's a manager. So when I, I always warm up to people, try to talk to people, because, again, I'm trying to see if I can introduce them to Jesus. Like, do you want to know Jesus? Please get to know Jesus. And so I would always be really nice to her. And I noticed that she was a little standoffish with me and I really didn't know why. But every week I would go and I still would smile and talk to her and smile and talk to her. So one week she said, about two weeks ago, she said, you're always smiling. Why are you always smiling? And I said, well, I'm really happy. I'm always smiling because I always think about how much Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me so much. And that's why I'm always smiling. Like I've been through so much in my life. I lost my mom. I lost my dad. I've been divorced. Have a lot of family dysfunction and separation. But Jesus loves me. And I know he loves me. So that's why I always smile. And so she just kind of looked like, okay, lady. And we went on our own way. So the other day, I went back to that same CVS. And so the lady, I was at the register. And she just started talking. She was like, you know what? You know, you know about your smile. She said, when I was growing up, whenever my stepdad was going to whip me or beat me, he would always start smiling. Whenever something bad was going to happen to me, he would always smile and laugh. And when my aunt was, was doing things that weren't right to me, she would always smile and laugh. 
And so I just learned not to trust people's smile. When people are smiling, something bad usually happens to me. I felt so bad when she said that, but then she said, but with your smile, it's something different. Like I, I can feel, I can feel, I know that there's something different behind your smile. When you smile, I know that you mean it. And there's just something different about it. And guys, I wanted to cry. Like I want to cry right now, but I wanted to cry because I was like, that's what, that's why, that's what I hope is the case. I, I always hope that people encounter me, you know, I'm human. So sometimes people encounter me, <laughs> they might not say they met Jesus, but I, those times are far and few between because I work really hard. But um, I partner with the Holy Spirit and I try to listen to him. And even if I show up wrong, I will apologize to people. I will apologize quickly. But anyway, just to, just the fact that she associated smiles with pain because people who smile, people would smile at her before they did, did think, you know, did beat her or whatever. That really made me sad. And so it made, reminded me that when you meet people, you don't know their story. Sometimes we take things personal and it's not even personal. It's that person's story. Because I knew she was kind of standoffish in the beginning. I didn't know why. Well, I kept smiling and she's like, why is that lady smiling at me? What's she going to try to do? She's trying to steal. She's trying to shop real Like, Why she keep smiling? She's thinking something's behind it. But there really was nothing behind it but that I just genuinely love people. And so, again, I'm going to do a part two because this is already going into almost an hour. It's midnight. It's time for me to go and pray with uh, Prophet Ugo. So I'm going to end this now. But I do want to say to you, begin to search your heart begin to ask how you can be a solution to this problem. Guys, people are hurting so bad. People are wounded. They're lonely. They're separated. They're on social media scrolling, thinking that they're connected, but they're really not. People are bleeding and they need fellowship. They need community. They need relationship. So begin to really, really pray and ask the Holy Spirit how you can begin to be a solution to this problem Begin to check the parts of your life where jealousy tries to come in and competition starts to come in. You see somebody with pretty hair, you're like, oh, she thinks she's cute. Or you see somebody doing well and you can't be happy with happy for them. Begin to check those things with Holy Spirit because that's not God. Those are spirits of jealousy, spirits of strife, spirits of division, and they shouldn't be inside of you. There's no room in it in your life. It doesn't help you be happier. It doesn't help you flourish. And there's no room definitely for it in the body of Christ. That's one of the scriptures I had is that Jesus told the disciples, by this people will know that you're my disciples, how you love one another, not how you prophesy, not how you preach, not how many members in your church, not how big your church is, not how much you talk about me. People will know that you belong to me when you can love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us tonight. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. We know that you called us as one body, one church, one faith, one baptism. Holy Spirit, begin to train us and teach us. Open our hearts up like a skillful surgeon. Use your scalpel to uproot all the pain, all the trauma, all the disappointment, all the hurt, so that we can begin to love each other in the way that you called us to. I, call, I pray right now that you will just begin to show us our role and bringing this oneness, this unification of the body and begin to show us what needs to be healed in us that has us shy away and has us not want to be a part of a body. Father, we pray for uh, pastors. We pray for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, those you have called and placed 
to be the foundation and the build the the foundation and the builder, builders and pillars of the church. We pray now for wisdom. We pray now for revelation that they will begin to develop models around church that bring people together, models around church that disciple strong, strong, strong discipleship models so that people can learn about you and begin to really walk out this life that you called us to live. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for not giving up on us, even though we trip sometimes. We thank you that you're long-suffering. We thank you that you're patient and help us to love each other that same way. I bless everyone who is watching now, even those who will watch on the replay. I pray that you will sing songs of deliverance over us as we sleep, that we'll have dreams and visions, and that you'll begin to download new strategy, new wisdom, new revelation for the days ahead. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone who is watching, even those who will watch on the replay. And I thank you, Jesus, for praying for us. We remember your prayers. You prayed that Father, that you prayed to the Father and said that we should be one as you and the Father are one. So may it be so as you decreed it and declared it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. I'm sorry I was not able to read your comments. Remember, I don't have an admin. I am the admin. I am the creator. I'm not creator God now. I'm talking about creator life course, like content creator. And so I'm not able sometimes to read all your comments and stuff like that. But I'll go back. I always do. I'll go back and I'll read your comments and I'll comment to those. If you're following on YouTube, please subscribe. Share this with other people that need to hear it. Share with your pastor. Share with leaders. Share with your friends because we need you in the body. Don't leave the body. Don't abandon the body. I know we've done some wrong things. I apologize for that. We've done some wrong things in the church, but we are one body and we're going to get it together. Again, remember on my website, adrianmayfield.com, I do have a course there called um, uh, Healing from Church Hurt. So if you have gone through some of, the, <laughs> some of the situations I talked to you about tonight and you need help working through that, I do have a course on there called uh, Healing from Church Hurt. And again, one reminder, this is my text number. So if you want to be on my podcast or even want to come on here and talk about something, I would love to have you come on here. If you're all about kingdom, I'm all about it. 770-746-8453. God bless you guys and have a good night.